This is a Think Live Be production. story end of story We're back on the hunt for a house for this family now yes and but my my point with highest and best offers we were talking about last week the frustrations in this market and everything that we're dealing with and my point with all of that is that you can if you're working with the seller you want to make sure the seller gets the best possible offer and the best terms and all that stuff right yeah i believe that you can do that and also simultaneously respect everyone's time and energy that's being put out like as we run around like crazy trying to get people into homes, you know? So we just finished, uh, well, we're working on getting an offer signed in a, we're the listing side and multiple offer situation, of course, cause they all are now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I really feel good about our system. And we talked a little bit about it last time, but I really feel good about our system. And it, it worked to a T for yeah. everyone involved, like, except for you for having to compile them all. But well, it worked. No, because it was like, it was anticipated. So it was a part of my schedule. Right. right. You, so, kn- you knew it was coming. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was, <laughs> a spreadsheet was ready on Friday for me to pump things in. But so that's, that's what we did. And we, we listed it on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We said we're having an open house on a Saturday and Sunday. And then I discussed with the sellers because I knew that the likelihood was very high that we'd have a lot of interest. So why don't we set a highest and best deadline for Monday and let's set it for 12 p.m. Because guess what happens? Like it takes time to first. And then so we did. So we did the open house and there were like between 75 and 100 people, I think, walked through the doors this weekend. Yeah, there was quite a bit. And not all of them made offers, of course, but it was a lot. If I was the, <laughs> if I was if I was those sellers, I would have just said, We're going on vacation for two days. <laughs> I'm not gonna go. Isn't that I what mean, they kinda I, did though? They, I, they kinda did. They did let, I, they let, they vacated. Yeah, I don't, so that we could I, just kind of have control too. of the house. Yeah. And that's a lot of people. I know mm-hmm. that a lot of those came through on during the open house, but I know that you probably had showings too that for people I couldn't get to the open 23 house 23 right? of them outside of the open house time right, right. yeah so I, I would just hit the road be like let's go to the beach <laughs> so the that weekend. is what they did and that's so one of the things you know we've talked all of this kind of coordinates together we talked about Zillow and these companies kind of coming between us and the consumer and it's because they're offering something that is people want so these particular clients like they didn't want to have to show. They're working from home. They've got kids and pets. They didn't want to have to show, but we were still able to provide that same experience of, okay, you don't have to show the house. We're going to set it up in such a way that we're going to do these open houses back to back. We're going to give people, you're just going to go on vacation for two days. Listing it on the right day so that it doesn't trickle in, right? Yeah. Being um, and we did get requests for before the open house, but we had set expectations with everyone that, that their schedules would not accommodate that. And that is why we were doing those two open houses was so that we could make sure everybody has their fair chance to get in the door. And I think there was one person who had to come, two people. There's two people, and it was more so a luck thing. 
the, the sellers were leaving Friday around 5, 5.30. So there was that chance that it was open for them to go. But had they not been leaving until Saturday morning, then there wouldn't have been that opening. Yeah. But so we gave you basically two days and two full days. And they went on, you know, vacation to a family's house, took their kids and pets with them. And we had the house to show the whole entire time, make sure every single person had a chance to get through. And then every single person knew that we were looking at offers on Monday at 12 p.m. So then Monday at 12 p.m. comes along. Kayla is able to compile all the offers. And we also let people know as they were coming in, like, great, we're going to be compiling those and then we'll be reviewing them at one. But it will take time for the sellers to make a decision. Did you guys did you get any phone calls, texts? Uh, emails saying, hey, we're not going to have it by one. We'll have it by three. There's always one or two. We got one. Yeah, we got one, one email. So one. that was good. That's Well, I mean, that shows that that works. But I'd say that's that's a pretty good ratio if you told that many. And I don't know how many offers you got. You, you don't have to say. But if there are that many people and it was multiple offers and you told everyone have it to us by X time and everybody did except for one, that's pretty, pretty good. good. That's pretty good. People, also, people I, to read. also, I don't think we heard from anyone between one o'clock and the evening asking for an update because nope. we told them as we were accepting the like taking in their offer and com- confirming that we've received it. We were telling them, here's what's going to happen. The deadline is 12 p.m. That means we're going to compile everything. I'm going to talk to the seller at one and then they'll need time. If we don't have a response by the end of the day, I'll update you again, which is what I did. Yeah. Because we didn't have a response. Because, you know, they need time. Like, there's there's definitely always, like... So you just BCC all, all of the... No, I did no, it you sh- manually. You should. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I did it manually. It only took a minute. Um, But so for the sellers, though, they got... Here's here's what happened in that situation, because these were people who were considering going with like an open door or one of those kind of things. And I was right. able to show them we can have very little inconvenience for you and make you a lot more money by listing on the open market. And here's how. And then because of our system that we've just repeatedly done and figured out like, OK, what, what do we need to tweak? We're getting too many phone calls asking the same question. How can we make this better so that we don't get as many questions? Because the more questions we get, the more time consuming all of this becomes. So it's just about being proactive and setting expectations with the clients and the other agents too. And so, so when you get so many offers that it's like, you know, an hour and a half to compile everything together. An hour and 20 minutes, 20 (laughs) minutes. Um, some of them for for the selling client, some of them are going to be immediate no's. And I try to get people to kind of look at that and say, tell me who you want to immediately let loose because it's, I don't really like, I don't think it's fair to sure, keep you, them hanging. And it's easier for you to filter through if you can get them to pick their three favorites or whatever, just like when you're showing buyers a house. Yeah. You, get, you kind of sh- shift off and get rid of the the ones that are like no no way we're going with this one and then we don't have to think about that anymore yeah and sometimes that works and sometimes it's so overwhelming that they're like well, wait like <laughs> yeah. if you're, it's like so a many, fear of missing out like right. wait no i need to read through all of them Weird first contingencies on different ones and yeah sure. so 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 then there's there's that time like you review everything with them so what we do and i know we talked a little bit about this but i think it's important to kind of 
like this is the this is the system with which makes it makes our lives all so much easier now that we're in these constant things is so we made the instructions clear we started advertising the open houses right away so that everybody knew what to expect for the weekend and then as soon as i had confirmation from the seller that we were doing highest and best by monday at 12 then I let, we let everybody know and we put it in the multiple listing service and we let made sure that everybody know that that's the next expectation. And you probably, I'm sure, when you did your listing appointment and explained to the sellers the way uh, this was going to work, that there is a large opportunity or a, a, there's a pretty big chance that you will get multiple offers wh- when we do it this way. And so this is what I'm going to ask of you next. So they were already kind of primed to know that they were going to have to go through these things and within, you know, a 24 hour period, make a decision. It didn't come out of the blue. Like, oh, we got another one. Oh, guess what? We got another one. You kind of waited and got everything together. And then they were already expecting multiple offers and they knew that they would have to make a decision quickly on those. So let's go down that rabbit hole for a minute. Well, you want to tell people what they're listening to first? <laughs> One day I will remember. You genuinely forgot as I was okay. I'm telling you, I think people, I think some of the listeners are, have turned this into a drinking game. <laughs> well, you're listening to Seeking the Best. This is our podcast. Um, we like to talk about real estate and uh, we're seeking the best in ourselves as we overcome the personal hurdles as realtors in the real estate profession. I'm Catherine Stelges, and across from me is my co-host and director of operations, Kayla Boundy. Hi. And our sound producer, sound engineer, producer extraordinaire. Close enough. <laughs> Patrick Kutika. Hello. Close enough. <laughs> so I was going to go down a rabbit hole about, like, how do you know that multiple offers is the best thing to do because recently we were looking to show a buyer house and it said um it said in the instructions like a uh, seller will review all offers on Monday at 5 p.m. or whatever and I was like sorry guy it <laughs> <laughs> was the wrong time to schedule that but what does that sound like sounds like they're show if you're gonna make an offer well, it sounds like they have offers and that they're doing highest and best thing. Right. So you're talking about um, by presenting it like that will scare some buyers off because they don't want to get into a quote bidding more. No. Or what do you? No, sorry. I don't know where I'm going. With that. I do know where I'm going, but you're. that's what used to happen. So we're in such a different market where every single one is a multiple offer situation that I feel like. Um, oh, so you, they, buyers can't pick and choose. I feel like every buyer Everything knows. Bit, it's all bidding war. And they're, and they're just expecting it. If they right. want the house, they know gotcha. that that's what they have to do. Sure. But no, what I'm talking about is in the listing, it said seller will review offers on Monday at 5 p.m. That made it sound like there were multiple offers. Right. Like they went back in and did that. Yeah. Is that what you you mean? Like they went back into the MLS and. Well, it just sounds like there's. Why are they reviewing them on Monday at five unless they have more than one? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, but I read that and said, I don't think that doesn't actually sound to me like there's multiple offers. It sounds to me like they're trying to kind of imply that, but that they don't actually have multiple offers. And so we called the agent to confirm and he's like, no, we don't have any offers. We're just, we're going to look at everything on Monday. And I'm like, you know, yes, so many listings are experiencing multiple offers that I get that he was just preparing. But 
you know, that's jinxing. You think it, it was or, I kind or of a little feel, like little I know false, that's silly. False but advertising, maybe false advertising. It is it like jinx. <laughs> um, it just felt kind of like, but you don't have multiple offers. And so you might you I guess you could potentially be scaring someone off if you do it the wrong way. So you just have to be careful when you start that process. So like my thing is I do wait to see how the first few days go and you can kind of gauge like, yeah, you might know this listing at this price in this neighborhood is going to have multiple offers. So let's just set it up that way. But um, but then what if you don't like and then you said you were having multiple offers and high and you called for highest and best, but you didn't actually have any offers. That's going to look really bad. Yeah, of course. They've already removed that from their list of potential homes to see and to go revisit it again is just a chance that might not happen. Well, like like and I guess I I was saying what what Pat was trying to say was people would be scared off and I don't think people are scared off anymore, but for somebody who is just getting into the market they might be more cautious to go see that home because they're like, well, I'm not sure I'm ready to make an offer right this second. And then Monday comes and goes and it's still active. And right. <laughs> like, what happened? Well, it never got any offers. That just looks bad. I don't know. So what I like to do is like see how the first couple of days are going. And then if we get an offer or we get two offers or we've got like 50 showing requests and, you know, a million phone calls, then then talk to the seller and explain that I think in your situation, we need to do a highest and best deadline and give everybody a chance to see it. Under promise and over deliver, right? Don't walk in and go, we're going to get a million offers on this and, well, you and don't, then and then not get them and be like, crickets. yeah. <laughs> and like, I always have a little bit of, um, I mean, I'm, I'm really confident in my ability to price a home. But there is always that minute where you hit active that you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, happens. <laughs> Did we do it? That happens. Right? The Catherine's big thing is she'll explain to me what the house is and then say, what do you think that's worth? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. And I usually just come up with a number and then aim high on it so that she's like, okay, good, because it's 325. <laughs> but... I'm like, how many times you've been doing this for 15 years? You're very good at it. It's always right on the money. And every single time you're like, until that phone starts to ring with requests. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but especially right now, because we, we are, we have become so accustomed to this, this multiple offer thing that you think that that's going to happen every time. Yeah. But it doesn't have to. Yeah. It's like your listing might just not be as nice as what you think it is or like the sellers could have chosen a price again because the seller ultimately chooses the price right they they could say well what if we just go ahead and and you know do a little bit higher and the little bit higher is just enough to not get that shave off those 10 people that were yeah and then they think they're in a seller's market and they're like well that house down the street sold for you know in two days where's my offers you know yeah. That was the other thing like recently um not this one but recently I remember some seller telling me like are any of the offers uh lower than asking price and and I was like yeah there's like one and they're like okay well get rid of that one obviously and it's like asking <laughs> price doesn't even mean like not just forget market. about it. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's, it's like that's it's so f- that's pretty price. funny. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and also when people ask for comps or comparables, like buyers ask for comparables, and it's like, why? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> it's just insane. But you always have to like, I think we have to adjust for the market at the moment because like we we started building the system, so to speak, so that we would obviously we're looking to get the seller the best price. And this, if we think that there's going to be multiple offers or there are, they start to roll in, this is a strategy that does that because everybody submits and then they get to choose what works best for them. Even if it's not the highest price, like just the best terms for their particular situation. So it works really well for them. But then also like when we do, like I did this open house and somebody thanked us for actually having the open houses so that their buyers could actually get there and that it wasn't pending in two days. Yeah. Because from a buyer's agent side, you're frustrated with like, why did that go? It's pending. It's been on the market one day. How did that happen? Yeah. Like we would have made an offer. Somebody just refreshing the button until (sighs) another one comes on. So I, but we, we created this over like doing it and making those mistakes like we talked about last week. Well, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I remember like one of the, one of the reasons why you set have it set up like this is is what we always talk about like time management right mm-hmm. so you don't get overwhelmed and then i remember like many years ago when there were a lot of bank owned properties and the bank the banks um would re- require all of these things and they would look at, at highest that was the first time i ever heard the words highest and best and banks are giant corporations and if there's one thing that they're good at is time management because they don't want to pay people for for wasting time. And so that's where this whole thing kind of stemmed from, this highest and best, and this is the way. So I think maybe you've got an influence of being on that side of on the buyer side way back when, when everything was bank owned and they were requesting, do it like we do it like this. We make a decision on this date, blah, 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 blah. And you've kind of maybe were influenced by that uh, way of doing things now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Except I think there's more. Um, well, there's definitely more there's c- communication. Communication. There's no, <laughs> yeah, of course. Like it's it's like Duke elements. Yeah, verbatim. Working in in that, and and yeah, when there was just a million bank owned properties and having to deal with that, and well, that's where this whole this market started to turn around and then it just keeps getting like you think it's going to stop and it just keeps getting crazier. But I think ultimately though, like in a market like this, you almost can't operate on the listing side. If you have a lot of listings, you, you can't, well, I could be wrong. Somebody I'm sure is doing it at a high level, but like, I feel like you, you need that administrative support because you could really lose your mind yeah. like with just one listing if you yeah, what if you have that one listing that's like that but then you also have buyers that are coming in from out of town and they have to go see uh houses and they're not really right around the corner mm-hmm. like all on the same weekend like i mean i couldn't even imagine that would be so uh, you'd be in, be crazy and the last thing you want to do is is when you have a a house that's like that, that where you want to list it and you want to do two open houses because you want to get buyers off of it. And then you can't do it because you have other buyers coming into town or that want to, that have, that have to see something right then. So you have to leverage off your awesome open houses to some other agent and then lose out on the, on that leverage and getting buyers from it. It seems so, it'd be so hard. Well, that's where I didn't mean to take this down this road, but you brought it up. (laughs) Um, you're supposed to, according to the MREA model, the, the millionaire real estate agent model, you're supposed to get two pieces of business for every listing. 
And in, in a market like this, if you right. don't create a system that both works for your clients, number one, and for every, you know, all the, um, the other, the co-op agents, but also works for your business. So like it doesn't being, do you, it doesn't do that guy any good to go who you're just talking about to go and list the house and then have it be pending the next day. Like that does that doesn't do the seller any good because there was no competition for putting offers in. And it doesn't do you any good as an agent because you're supposed to procure two pieces of business, which you didn't do. Yeah. You couldn't have done because the house was only listed for one day. Right. Well, and I think that's why like a lot of agents don't treat things like a business. We talk about that all the time. It's like, it's our inventory. Yeah. It's like we, if it's gone in a day, oh, I guess that's not really a good analogy because in a normal business, they'd want to like get rid of their inventory quickly, but you don't want to sell out. You don't want to be sold out. Look, if you had a store, a brick and mortar store and you sold, sold stereos and you sold all the floor models on the first day, <laughs> right? Then you'd have no floor models to show anybody to anything. You couldn't sell anything else. You're so That's good what at you're analogies. talking about. True. Yeah. Then the next customer who's looking in for a stereo. There, there's no stereos nothing. in the house in the place. <laughs> They're gonna so go to the it, next yeah. shop that has some stereos. Yeah. So I think you you have to, it is a business. You of course your your client's best interest first. And so if they need to sell overnight and they they're like, I'll take the first offer we get. I don't care what it is. I just need to get this under contract. I mean, who would say that? But like if somebody said that, I'd be like, okay, that's what we will do then. Yeah. But that's far few and far between. Right. Yeah. Is yeah, most most people want this is their biggest asset. Most people want the most money. And even if um they want the most money and they want it done in the easiest way. Yes, with the least inconvenience. Yes. You know, when I first got into real estate, um, that and it still goes around, but like that that was the whole saying was like, I'm gonna make you the most money. Um, in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of hassle. <laughs> and and I used to think it was like cheesy and but I it is what sellers People want. want that, yeah. <laughs> I mean you'd want that going well, into an experience with something. Yeah, and I, I think I think maybe we use some like that kind of phrasing and stuff in early marketing things and now we've kind of left that sort of behind and have gone more in the we say what we'll we're going to do in the time Damn, we say we're do. going to do it kind yeah. of a thing because you're holding true to your word. Yeah. Yet. I think that's more, well, more and, personal and more important and it's more of our uh, mission statement. Well, it's our, yeah, it's our, it's our mission because it's so frustrating to me <laughs> to call someone, ask them to give me a quote and then never hear back from them. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, or to give you the quote and then do the job and it be more than what the quote is. Right. Or whatever, or just longer. not delivering yeah, yeah. on the promise that was yeah. made. Yeah. That is a big no-no for me. <laughs> it's a no-no-no. No-no. <laughs> um, so, so that is why we, we've we built it around that, like our commitments to you more so than the least least amount of hassle. That all comes with that, though. Yeah, that's... Mm -hmm. Like if we do what we say we're going to do... It's a byproduct yeah. of saying what we're going to do because that is one of the things that we say we're going to do is get you that money and stuff. It's a byproduct. If we stick to our main point, our mission, all those other things will happen. Yeah, they fall like... Because you get the most money, do it in the quickest amount of time and have the least hassle because you have a system around it. Yeah. Unless you don't listen to my advice and then all that's out the door. <laughs> yeah. And you're on your... That's right. plane. <laughs> Jumanji. Sorry. <laughs> Jumanji. That's funny. It's I know, a kind of game. Yeah, that's true. I almost said Jenga, so that's why there's a delay there. So <laughs> I did not get that joke. That went like way over my head. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I just, I, I think one of the things that we're dealing with in this market is that you have to adapt your business to, to still succeed and thrive, but also make it the, and, and to do that, to make it the most efficient thing possible. And so there has to be a system in place for these things. And there's actually, um, my coach is doing a mastermind, uh, tomorrow evening, I believe (laughs) you're not invited. (laughs) Um, but it's about, uh, creating a system for finding buyers off market properties because why? What? Yeah. A system for finding buyers off market properties. Because when they come on the market. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. So. So how how do you find. So you have a buyer. Like an actual system. But there aren't any houses for sale. So what do we we have a a system in place to find houses that aren't for sale yet? And that you could. Not only is that a listing lead generation system. Right. But it's also a system that you can then tell your buyers like this is what we do for our buyer clients because it's hard out there and we're going above and beyond looking at MLS for you. So I'm excited to hear what people have to say on that. It's just about adapting to the. And, and, and not just in. being like, and and not just going out on a whim one day and say, I'm going to try to find, I'm going to send a letter out to the neighborhood because I have buyers. And then you just do it once and you walk away and never do Nothing it. Nothing happens. Yeah. It's like having, a, <laughs> having, done that before. having an actual system that is constantly in motion so that when new buyers come on, the system is already working and is already doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. So you're not, you're not chasing behind buyers and chasing the, uh, a house, a house for them. It's something that's, oh, we know that these houses are coming online. We know that these people are ready and stuff and having that there as a, as a selling tool to your, to your buyers for them to come and work with you. That's, that's something that they will, uh, tell their friends and something and their sphere and something that they will write about when they do a, uh, a review of you of, yeah. of the Think Club B team, then that's, you know. Well, because it's something, especially if they've bought a home before, they're going to realize that that's not, not something that right. normally happens. Or if they have a friend who bought it, took them six months to find something and it only takes them a few weeks, then, you know, that, that kind of comparison they'll do in their head. Yeah. Too. So, well, are we going to take a break real quick? We can, yeah. Can we I should. recap something and then? Yes, we'll... of course. Well, I just wanted to recap the the beauty of the system that has I I feel like is almost to perfection. It really is. It's like it's been a work in I progress. I needed nothing from you. It's just a matter of do what I'm supposed to do, hand it off. You do what you're supposed well, to do. That's how I felt too. Yeah. So I felt like like get the listing, you know, get it set up. Like do our steps to get the listing going, mm-hmm. right? The listing is going. Everybody knows the expectations that we're holding open houses on the weekend. Everybody can get through. Don't stress. I don't need angry text messages. Can I get in and how? And all of that. Um, so we didn't have to field as many phone calls. Nope. Um, I think you probably had a few. Of course, I but, always do. But it was an easy dialogue because I knew what to expect myself on the operation side Yes. for the listing. Yes. You. Yes. I, we got clear expectations from the seller. You were able to explain those to every agent that did inquire, but it was also explained very detailed in the MLS for them all to see. We did our open houses. Um, I have leverage, so I didn't even have to be at one of them. So that was nice. Um, and then the, you know, Monday morning came around. You had time blocked that you knew you were going to have offers to yeah. go through. So you had time blocked. I knew your when the time. listing was going live, 
or when the inquiry started to come in, I had anticipated that we're likely going to see something yes. come up. So listing manager went from 3 p.m. to 10 a.m. Right. So you shifted your time blocks. Mm-hmm. You made sure you left time for that. You did everything. I come in at 1 p.m. It's all compiled for me beautifully. I call the seller and I can immediately review everything without having to read through personally every single offer package because Kayla takes it and puts it into a nice spreadsheet and with all the details that you could possibly need to know. Links to the documents, links to the seller letter. Yeah. Any notes. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Is that what the system should be? And now it's pending. (laughs) Now we just have to get through inspections and whatever else. (laughs) We have systems for that too. It'll be fine. (laughs) Appraisal. Well, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. That's true. Cash (laughs) offers. All right, let's take a break. And we're back. <laughs> what? What's so funny? I, I just getting on the hot seat. It just makes me really nervous. Even though it's just us three in the room. <laughs> I just envision an audience. <laughs> They're all listening. They're doing laundry. They are driving in their cars. They are walking around their backyard like I do. And thanks for the in. new listeners that we've had. I bet we've got a lot of people reaching out and everything. That's always very nice. Yes. Um, Nice comments lately. It made my birthday. Yay. Um, somebody commented, somebody messaged me on my birthday, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. a perfect day. You know for who them you too. are. Thank you. <laughs> They're listening, probably. Yeah, that's always nice. <laughs> um, but uh, what were we well, saying? Well, I wanted to ask when did you kind of feel like you needed that leverage around the listing side of your business? What year was that? Second, are we changing our, our platform? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Our, uh, like you, oh, like an interview thing? Interview. Um, so good question. And <laughs> say thank you. Say good question. Good, that's you. a great question. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you for asking. Um, so no, I think when, so when I first hired our, my first assistant, I didn't hire them for specifically anything. It was just more like, Help me with everything. I'm, I'm drowning. <laughs> it was like, whatever. I just, I know I can't sit out here another night without somebody helping. So it was more like that feeling, which I think is what most people feel when they go to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. But then, well, like, you know, I think we're to a point where we're we're now figuring out, like, how do you actually separate that piece of business off? But a first administrative person, the executive admin type of role really is supposed to be like listing assistant transaction coordinator and marketing marketing yeah all three of those things like which and really the first year of that is just training like kayla has been doing it for a long time now that she doesn't need training she knows how the business works and what and so she can answer questions and stuff so you got to find somebody and plan on training them for a year because chances are they don't know anything about real estate. They don't know what an escalatory clause is. <laughs> Neither do you, apparently. No, I don't know kidding. how to say and it. They, they don't know what they can and cannot say. That's the biggest well, that's, point. Oh, that's they don't true. know how they can help further right. because yeah. they're questioning. Can I say that? I don't know. Well, so my first assistant was, you know, not not the... I just hired out of need and it was a part-time thing. And I know I've said this before, but I stand by it 100% that part-time like for me just did not work at all. Um, And then looked for somebody else who probably could have made a strong marketing assistant, but not the detail work of other things that that you need in real estate. 
And then that I've also discovered that I just personally need people who are detail oriented in our business. Um, People who understand the need for detail as well. If I see an email with like a whole bunch of typos, it's like we all make mistakes. But when it's constant, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's not. If you can't. If the person does sees the red line underneath it and just says, eh, that's fine, <laughs> then that's not uh, going to work you. on this team. Well, yeah, yeah when we're slacking or texting different. each that's other, different. I expect there, I sometimes, yeah, I 100% when I'm slacking you and I'm in a hurry, i We never like, change the words, oh, but we figure it out. I we're going to have to figure that one out. You know what? If, no red lines, no green lines. Green lines are okay every once in a while because it's a grammar thing, but yeah. even still, like, Right. You yeah. want somebody who's professional and detailed in any kind of administrative role. Yeah. yeah. I believe that. Because even emails to co-ops and marketing to the social and everything. So yeah. people are seeing those. So that first hire, like a lot of people, it is out of need. If I could go back in time, I would probably like maybe sit down earlier and think, when will I need an assistant? And let me map that out. But that's just not how it works. Like you don't think about that until you're like, I can't keep until doing this. Underwater. But yeah. you yeah. can by sitting down and making a list of things that you love to do. Maybe not make a list of the things that you don't love to do, but just the list that you love to do. So that when you get to a point where you're doing a bunch of stuff, you already have that one list and you know that every, all the other stuff that's causing your day to go crazy that's already that's the assistant stuff. Oh, that's well, true. I think that, uh, you mean that's like as you're, as you're as you're going, like a, yeah. as a single just agent. Just make note of what you just love. Just make sure. Yeah, I really like this. I really yeah. Be mm-hmm. a, and if if you don't write it down, just a mental note. Yeah. These yeah. are the things I like. These are the things I don't like. So when I hire somebody, I'm going to take all the things I don't like and put it on that person. Yeah. yeah. Well, because that that is what you should do. Because then you're going to be a happier person, and you're going to be able to like live doing this career longer mm-hmm. <laughs> without burning out, and not jumping into the admin's seat because right. they're doing something that you actually love. Yes, which I struggle with because I like to do things that aren't necessarily what I'm supposed to be doing. The, the five, <laughs> the five things that we've talked about. Right, <laughs> but. Once you have that that first administrative hire, though, like then when you go to find that next person, this is where I've been. It's been interesting while we've been looking for a transaction coordinator. And why did we decide that that was the next position? Because I was burning out because I was doing something that wasn't in alignment with something that I loved. And that was chasing Files <laughs> and people. And, and I was saying, like, you're doing a better job than you think you are. Like, yeah. you're doing a great job keeping up with these transactions and you're super detailed. So it's all it's all there and you're doing a great job. And I always have to I feel like I always have to give Kayla credit or remind her, not give her credit. I'm very but, hard on myself. <laughs> I have to remind her that she's now done more transactions than most agents. It's true. Yeah. So it shows in my eyes. So even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, I think we all live a little bit like like in this world where we're like somebody's gonna eventually figure out that I don't know what right. I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> no, I can't I can't hire anybody. That's what an adult does. Right. <laughs> like we all experience that feeling like can I do this? Like this doesn't feel Yeah, nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. Right. It's like you you've you you if the I that's kind of what you want. You want to not know what you're doing to oh because what that means is that you're always okay. pushing yourself to tr- to move farther ahead. As soon as you know everything and you know everything that you're doing, and you don't make the decision, well, that means it's time to grow. Mm-hmm. 
you know, then I mean, I guess there's some people that can just do that every single day and be perfectly fine with it. But that's not in our mission in any way. It's always to be growing and to expand into the next thing. So, Catherine, you learned uh, how to be a single agent and it was time to grow and learn and higher and that's scary and all of that stuff. And now it's buyer's agents and that's even scarier building a bigger team and, and there'll always be something and that's kind of, but you know what I will say? I, I feel like, um, if you're listening and you're newer, just know that like you do get to a point where you feel like an expert at things. And I, I feel like, like I joke about the pricing thing, but like, I feel like an expert at, working with buyers and selling homes and listing homes and knowing how to market and sell them and price them and all that stuff. But what there's always stuff though, like that you want to grow and learn and do better. And that's where I was talking about. Like right now, when I first started, it was that it was like, Oh, people are going to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And, and then I finally got to a point where I'm like, I do know what I'm doing. But then you start to hire people and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, these am I going to show up like I know what I'm doing like, to these right. people? Like, I've never these, I've never trained anybody. I've before. never trained anyone. Are they going to know that I have no idea what I'm doing, like in leadership right. and, and all that? And then and then you keep growing and growing and then you kind of figure like, OK, I kind of I kind of am figuring out. But I mean, I've got another then, probably 15 years before yeah. I feel the same way about working on selling houses as I do about leading other people to sell houses. When somebody who builds a giant team, a seventh level team, and they decide to open another office in another state, it's the first time they're doing that. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like they, like they sort, they're going to use their past experience to do those things. You couldn't on your first day as a single agent open an expansion group, right? It's like, but even the first time somebody opens an expansion group, it's the first time they've done it. So there's always, that's, everyone feels like a fraud until, you know, until they learn it and then they learn it and then they move to the next level and feel like a fraud all over again. Yeah. That's, that's life. That's life, baby. <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> that's just living life. But I think it's cool now to watch like as Kayla is hiring and we're, right. we're like, well, yeah. you know, you're just figuring out what's important to, um, to you, like to, to be your best, what makes you happy. And then also what, the next person like what who they need to be to fit in with this whole thing and that whole culture piece is it's kind of cool to watch that kind of develop and and and, and be like that's not it turn into something (laughs) because you don't know like that whole mission thing we were talking about earlier like do what you say you're going to do in the time you say you're going to do it like that's just who I am that's just who you are and and you can say it and stuff but like is that who like you can say that you believe that like I believe in the company's mission but yeah. do you really every day when you come to work is that what you're working towards well, are you a, trying to make this the best experience for other people yeah yeah or are you just trying to make a sale and, the culture- well, and, you, and it's you it's easy to tell and I think we've said this before about other th- people and other things going through is like I don't don't tell me I don't care what you say I want to see what you do right it's like it's like I'm going to judge and see if you're part of this by what you're doing, not by what you're telling. It's like we've seen lots of agents who say they want to make $100,000 a year, right? Their first year, how much money do you want? I want to make $100,000. And it's like, well, don't tell me that you want to make, show me 
that you want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Those that's a very there's a that's a very fine line, but it's a very it's a very strong line that you can that you can see. So that that's what's that? Oh, I thought Kayla was gonna say something. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was something along the culture side of things. I think the the first key to kicking our culture is are they here for a paycheck? Or are they here because they're looking for a place to grow and have a career within? Right. Yeah. Which is screening questions now. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's a big deal, especially in, when you're just a smaller team. Like, it's really important. I know I've talked about this before, but like. It's okay. <laughs> I have permission to repeat myself. Repeat. Um, But it is so important when you're still really small. Like, you have to work with people on a very um, intimate level. And <laughs> that sounds weird. But. uh you just want to make sure that you're going to mesh well yeah, with their personality and they're, that they are trying to achieve the same thing. And it's not like everybody's the same person. It's just everybody has a sense of understanding other people and well, working with that. When you don't have that on a small team, on a big team, that that having one or two people who are there for the paycheck, for example, like Kayla said, that attitude can be diluted amongst all of the people who are there for other reasons. Yeah. But when you have a team that is maybe just you as an agent and your admin and they're just there for a paycheck, that's going to be really, really hard to well, get through. So let me just wrap this all up into a nice, beautiful... With a bow. <laughs> gift with a bow. That is why, like, we were talking about the administrative stuff with listings at the beginning and dealing with highest and best the reason that you create this spreadsheet to deliver the information to the consumer, the reason you build that system and we work on it and we tweak it and we do all those things is because of what, who we are and and because we're trying to get a better experience for the customer. I, I could much, it would save us a lot of time if you didn't compile that spreadsheet and we didn't have individual emails for each person. We could save a lot of time and probably make a lot more money but that's not what we're working towards. Mm-mm. Well, I mean, of course, oh, we yeah, all want but. we all want that too. But we're working towards how do we deliver this to the consumer that it is clear to them that they're getting the best communication, that everybody is happy, and that every everybody is achieving what they want. Yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, well, it's because you. It's because I don't want to sit there for three hours. <laughs> well, it's it's what kind of a restaurant you want to run. It's like you can run you can run a restaurant that is you can go buy two McDonald's franchises and make a bunch of money and and put out dollar fifty burgers and make a lot of money and be fine. And there's lots of people that do that. Good for them. Right. And that's that's they don't have any problem with it. And that's fine. Or do you want to run a restaurant that has twenty five tables in it? And has built on regulars and Michelin, built on and, and 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 has and is is the menu is something that you built from scratch for yourself and stuff. Is that the kind of restaurant you, that you want to run? You, they're both restaurants. They both make money. Either one of them is is you can you can do. It all depends on your own personal who you are as a person and what it is that you want your output to be. Yeah. Well, we were talking about this the other day in the car. I don't go too far into the rabbit hole on that, but there it's all, that's just a way it's a choice of how to run a business. Yeah. It's what is most important to you and then build your business around that. And everything, like if you do it well, the money will show up, but what's important to you? Cause yeah, some people it's all about 
volume and I don't turn them and burn them. And I don't mean sales volume. I I just mean it's like, yeah, it's just like get through it as quickly as possible, you know, instead of worrying about the customer experience. Right. And so it's just a choice. I wouldn't sleep well if that's how our our business model was. Right. Because it doesn't align with you. Mm -mm. But there are plenty of people who would. And who can and stuff? I feel and like it's we're all self-righteousy right now. No, it's not. It's <laughs> because I think uh, that I think that's perfectly a perfectly legitimate and fine way to run a business, and, and and it's just not my way to do it. It's not what I would want, but I could see how people would do that. And th- those people who look at the way that you run your business say, "I understand why she's doing it that way. I wouldn't do it that way. That's too much. That's too much. Like personal investment of time." Right. There's plenty of people out there who open up bars and restaurants because they want to make money and open up a bar and restaurant. And when the when the theme of the restaurant is no longer trendy, they shut it down and they move on to the next bar and restaurant. And then there's other people. That's called a cash cow. Then There's other people who say, I have a really good idea for a bar and I'm going to bartend there and I can't wait to talk to the people and it's going to be this. And the place is there for 25 years. Yeah. Right. And it's like they're both bars. They both make money. They're two totally different approaches to the same business and stuff. And it just depends on who you are. But you can't, you if you're going to hire people and put people in that company with you, they have to have the same idea. Yeah. You can't hire a bunch of people who want to turn and burn if that's not what you want, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to know that when you're making your hire, what is that person's philosophy? What is that person's idea? Or, and does it align? And if it does, then great. That's someone you hire. And if it isn't, then... Can I say one more thing on that? Because I just yeah. thought of something. Um, so, so you know, I've had a, a few assistants over the years, but at one, one in the middle there was my really good friend. And... Hey, Jess. <laughs> I know you're love not, you. you. I know you're not listening. <laughs> but the reason I bring her up is because she would have made an excellent... Yeah assistant you may have never come around if she would have still been around um because i i know she was doing a similar type of job before she she's very organized and efficient and all those things and one of the things though that i didn't know to do or maybe i did but i just didn't do it and made one of those you know mistakes was like i didn't know what her vision for her her life and goals looked like it was more of just like hey i need a job and I can you know, be really good at what you need. And and I was and I thought to myself, "Oh, you could be amazing." And I like you. <laughs> and, and so it's important to know what people's goals and visions are and 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 that they align with the business, but um like personally, but also where they're going. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I know that that's in career visioning if you take that class from Keller Williams career visioning talks about that. It's called the motivational and lifestyle interview right is that what it's called flip lifestyle don't be like me and do the wrong one i think that's why (laughs) i messed it up for you i'm sorry (laughs) lifestyle and motivation lm um there's an interview for that but you do it a couple times and you don't think anything of it like it it takes hiring people and seeing them not succeed or the you know you don't like them or whatever to realize how important that part really really is yeah it's gonna be a it's always a trial and error like you can't, you couldn't make those decisions and see what, see what you can, if people could see what mistakes they're making before they make the mistakes, they wouldn't make the mistakes. Well, right. <laughs> One thing I am noticing though, on the hiring and alignment with the vision where you're going, uh, people who have um, 
a part of that, uh, is it the lifestyle or the motivation? Motivation. Part of the motivation is they do the four quadrants. Mm-hmm. Having something around growth and right. growing of yeah. some sort is so super important to I'm gonna find s- that. I'm going to say what you're talking about. So is it okay if I explain? Yeah. I'm supposed to not explain. No, go ahead. Podcast, I think. Um, but in the motivational interview, you talk to people, take career visioning, first of all, mm-hmm. but you talk to people about the different priorities in their life. And everybody has the priority of job. Everybody needs a job of some kind, right? And everybody needs money. So those are two priorities in everybody's life. And then what are their other priorities? So you ask them to choose. And it is really interesting what people will say. And I often think like, what would I say if I really didn't know what the interview was about? What would I say? And I often think like, I think I would say like professional growth yeah, because I don't know what else I would. I feel like that's what I said. Growth and family. I know family was on mine. Yeah. But well, then that's because you have a big family and it's yeah. important to you. I live at a distance from them. And like, I think about that too. And I'm like, I don't, you know, my mom passed away. I've got my brother and, you know, Patrick over here and our little dog. But like, I don't, like family doesn't come front of mind. Right. It's not that I don't love my yeah. family, <laughs> but that's not when I think of that kind of um, priority list because it's already like, it's already yeah. my priority. I just, I don't think I would think of it and explain it in that situation. So I don't know. It, yeah, well, it's you'd just be, interesting to hear what people say. Yeah, and it would be different because it's easier for you to say that because you aren't going in for a job. You created your own job and life around that. You're not an admin person where where you're getting paid to do something for a certain amount of time. And it and where Kayla's an admin, so she comes in, she earns a paycheck, she comes in for these number of hours, all of those things. You don't, your job isn't set up that way. You're self-employed and stuff, so it's a different thing. But if you were to actually, if you were to leave, if you were to leave the real estate industry and go get a job in an office somewhere, and you, they were going to give you a paycheck, and they said, "What's important to you?" I would not get hired. <laughs> right. I know you wouldn't, but family might be different might be you that might come more to the forefront then is all i'm saying because if if you were at at an office for 10 hours a day well what i do think would come up would be maybe like um like freedom or flexibility which i hate when people say that (laughs) well that's because you've been like nonstop 15 years yeah but i'm I'm, yeah i'm like i've earned it yeah um (laughs) But no, but I, I'm I'm always curious what people say and like it tells a lot about what is important to them. So yeah. just like he- listen. So for that's those a cues. homework, homework yeah. for our listeners. Go ahead, ask yourself that question and see what, what are your you, priorities. See what in your life? yeah. Get rid of the the money because that's everybody. That doesn't count, right? Well, and, or you can you can you can still work through the money. Like, what's the job priorities? Right. Like, where do you want to be in five years in the job category of your life? Where do you want to be in five years of the money category in your life? But what are your other two priorities? Right. What's important? And even if somebody doesn't say growth, though, it usually shows up in there there if they're growth minded. When you talk about job and people say, well, I guess I would like to have learned something new. Not that I want to be in a higher position, Mm -hmm. that I've learned something new. Sure. Like those kind of keywords. And to avoid them um, just telling you what you want to hear. That's why you go a little deeper and ask them to explain their five-year vision of that priority. The open-ended question there. Mm -hmm. I like it. (laughs) All right. You guys ready to take a break? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. 
The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Live B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebe.com. And we're back. All right, so we've got a little bit of time here for a repeating segment. What are we playing? Coming soon to a theater near you. Okay, should I watch that? <laughs> so, uh, Kat has five, Kayla has two. Two, two. Okay. Do you remember? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Of course she's I do. Keeping she, score. She's keeping score in her head. I don't know how many Kat has, but I know how many I have. She's keeping score in her head. <laughs> you she's know. Been, that's, that's crazy. I didn't, I have to write it down. You know why I think that I don't know how many? Because I just know that I'm ahead. And yeah, that's, good like, enough. that's good enough. I'm proud of my two. Okay, I'll hold on to them. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay, so you guys know how to play this. I'll give you a movie and you try to guess the Rotten Tomato score. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, born in Roman Britain in the late 4th century, he was kidnapped at the age of 16 and taken to Ireland as a slave. He escaped but later returned to convert the, the Irish to Christianity. By the time of his death on March 17th, 461, he had established monasteries, churches, and schools. St. Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, has many legends. For example, that he drove snakes out of Ireland and used the shamrock to explain the Trinity. Ireland came to celebrate his day with religious services and feasts. It was immigrants, particularly to the United States, who transformed St. Patrick's Day into a largely secular holiday of revelry and celebration of things Irish. This week's movie theme is the Irish. I, th- I saw you were going with a theme. Why did there. I think that was a movie the entire time? <laughs> She's like, "What movie is?" I this? don't know if St. Pa- if the, the St. Patrick story has ever been a movie. I don't think That's so. Crazy. Maybe maybe it was maybe an old one. Mm. So I don't think so. Okay, so you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, number one. Jimmy, a self-proclaimed promoter, decides to organize an R&B group to fill the musical void in his hometown of Dublin, Ireland. The band comes together but ends up consisting entirely of white musicians who have little experience with the genre. Even though their raw talent and lofty aspirations gain the group's notoriety, the pitfalls of fame begin to tear at their newfound friendships as they prepare for their big show. Based on the novel by Roddy Doyle, what is the tomato meter score for the 1991 movie The Commitments? Hmm. So I think what I'm going to do is for our listeners, I'm going to lay a little uh, Mustang Sally down behind this section and stuff so if they've never heard any of the soundtrack to the commitments got it okay then they'll know what we're talking about Kayla have you ever seen this movie the commitments no I have not Ooh, that's a good movie you should go Watch this one. He said it's a good idea. Yeah, I know. You just gave her a clue. I was going to get her to go first. I already have my number. It's okay. I have my number based on the story. I do want you to go watch this one. This is really good. It's got great music in it. Is this out of 100? Yeah. I got my number. Are you going first? Yeah. Okay. 67. 
Okay, I'm gonna go with 79. The tomato meter score is 89. percent So very, very, very good movie. I there's two or three songs from this movie that I used to play all the time when I DJed for all those years. From, from the soundtrack. From the yeah, it's very, it's very, very good. So. He tried to give you a hint. Yeah. I guess 67% I is had, good to you. I already had my number in my it's, head. It's one of those great <laughs> early 90s indie indie films. I hold to my they have that integrity indie feel. of self. <laughs> okay, so Cat got that one. Question yep. number two. Unemployed young Irishman Jerry, played by Don, Daniel Day-Lewis, gets by as a petty thief in 1970s Belfast. When local IRA leaders get fed up with him, he flees to England. While there, the IRA bombs a nearby pub, and he's arrested as the prime suspect and imprisoned. He spends 15 years trying to clear his name. What is the tomato meter score for 1993's In the Name of the Father? Have you ever seen this one? No. You should go watch this one too. <laughs> the name of the father. Daniel Day Lewis. I know anything in Daniel Day Lewis. So this I'm- was one of his first movies, like right after Last of the Mohicans, I think, was was this movie. I'm gonna say eighty-four. Oh. I was gonna say eighty-two. Okay, now the, you said it. I know. The tomato meter score, ninety-four. Oh. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Leading and Supporting, Best Supporting Actress, Best Director, Best Writing, and Best Editing. Wow. What was that called again? In the Name of the Father. In the Name of the Father. So I'll send, I'm, I will send you, slack you the uh, names to those movies yeah. so you can watch them. That's a long one. It's very, very good, though. I'll watch it by myself then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Catherine got that one, too? Okay. Question number three. Tired of the crime overrunning the streets of Boston, Irish Catholic twin brothers Connor, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Murphy, Norman Reedus, are inspired by their faith to cleanse their hometown of evil with their own brand of zealous vigilante justice. What is the tomato meter score for the 1999 movie, The Boondock Saints? I love that movie. I'm going to say... This is the critic's score. Of the Boondock Saints. Oh man, come on! I feel like that was a clue. (laughs) Come on. Okay, fine. Eighty-seven. Okay, I'm gonna go with sixty-two. The tomato meter score of Boondock Saints is twenty-eight. Wow! Gosh, (laughs) it was a stinker. I don't like the stinkers. But the the audience score of Boondock Saints is ninety-one. Oh, thank you. So the audience, it's kind of turned into like a little cult movie. Mm Um, I don't, I didn't particularly, I, I, there was all that buzz about it and I watched it and I was like, I don't, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. And then when I looked it up and I was like, oh, the critic score is really low on this that I could see how some people like it does have that nineties indie movie kind of vibe to it and stuff. But, um, but I didn't think it was particularly, I had a coworker who was really into it, like really followed it and did, did, i watched it like five years later i was like this is good yeah i like it it's like vigilant yeah taking vigilant care of business can, yeah no cops. okay so Catherine got that one too mm-hmm. Boo. you better get it right on the nose here i'm going to one of these numbers that pop up in my head is gonna mean something i'm gonna i'm gonna play the music uh right here for this next one a vacuum repairman, Glenn Hansard, moonlights as a street musician in Dublin and hopes for his big break. One day, a Czech immigrant, Margita Erglova, 
who earns a living selling flowers, approaches him with the news that she is also an aspiring singer-songwriter. The pair decide to collaborate, and the songs that they compose reflect the story of their blossoming love. What is the Rotten Tomatoes score for the 2007 film Once? Have you seen this this one? You've never seen this oh one my either? Goodness. Okay, well, go watch the movie and then also listen to the soundtrack a million times over. The music to this is pretty incredible. Yeah. I just started singing it in my head. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to say... Wait, I think it's Kayla's turn to go first. 73. 96. Wow. 97. Wow. I almost got that right on What the heck is <laughs> It's really, really good. Yeah, so that one, wow. that won the Oscar for Best Achievement in Music. Who's the lead actor? And the no. and Best Original Song. Oh uh, yeah, they're they're. Uh, Is it a musical? No. Okay. Well. No, it's not a musical. I mean, they sing. They sing. If it, they sing no. and dance in the grocery store, no. or they don't sing and dance, and they don't. They're street performers, so okay. you see them perf- like Performing. sing, playing guitar and piano on the street but they're when i think musical it's not I think, a musical i just no. mean like you should tell people that they're singing the whole entire thing yes yeah. like not the but whole if thing, they're street almost. performing it makes sense whereas if right. you just get up in a library and everybody joins yes. in yes there's not there's nothing in the music that makes the story that that makes the story move forward yeah the songs are just songs yeah. that they're performing. that makes sense oh, i don't think that's true they're not singing the story. No, but I mean, they're just they're, singing songs. But the lyrics go along with the story. Yeah, but they're as not, it progresses, but after if, it progresses. Yes, but if you if those Uh-oh. if no, the no. if those songs did not have any lyrics, the movie's story wouldn't change at all. The story is not being told through the lyrics. No, I know that they're not the lines of the movie. Well, but yes. I mean that. They, but isn't that what makes a musical? Well, yeah, I wasn't saying it was a musical. I just thought, like, if you're asking if. 90% of the movie is music. It is. It is. <laughs> it's not Broadway. All it's right. excellent. Catherine won, but let's go ahead and do uh, the last uh. question. Okay. Joseph and his landlord's daughter, Shannon, travel from Ireland to America in hopes of claiming free land in Oklahoma. The pair get sidetracked in Boston, where Joseph takes up boxing to support himself. When he loses a pivotal fight, the two are left penniless. Faced with poverty, the two must find new ways to scrape by. As their affection for each other grows, Joseph questions whether he is truly what Shannon needs in her life. Starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman and directed by Ron Howard, what is the tomato meter score for 1992's Far and Away? Ron Howard? Is that the director? Yeah. Oh. 1992's Far and Away. Okay, I used I think to with, love this movie. With when the I soundtrack was, by Enya. When I was a kid, I loved this movie. Yeah, I can see how kids love this movie. I, I think I, well, I think I, when I was a kid, I would watch this because I like Tom Cruise. Yeah, well, sure. yeah, me too. I got my number. I guess I wasn't really a kid. I was in college. <laughs> I'm still a kid. I think um, maybe a girlfriend or something back then would like this reason movie. Reason why you watched it? Yeah. <laughs> so is my turn to go first, or did I go? First? I can't remember. Sixty-one. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say. Oh man, this is a tough one because I really liked it growing up, but I also do not think that it, would it was hold up. a particularly excellent uh, film. I'm going to say 59. Close. It's 50%. Oh, 
So why didn't you clean, go higher? Clean sweep. Why didn't you go higher, Catherine? <laughs> Don't cry like about it. I'm tearing up. It's Catherine not a just yawns because it says uh, Tom Cruise's Irish accent is ranked as that's number one as worst accent on film <laughs> in multiple what, lists. I knew there was something that was like going to make it a low score. <laughs> he had to have an Irish accent. Yeah, he, he sort of did, and Nicole Kinman's was so bad. They said, "Why don't you just do English <laughs> accent instead?" Well, she's Aus- oh, she's Australian. she's Australian, so she could kind of pull she could pull off an English accent. Oh goodness! Anyways, that was fun. Maybe because I won. <laughs> Small wins. I'll go first. Okay. So I feel like the last two weekends, I've actually like taken a day and we've gone and had some fun, right? Yeah. It's been nice. Uh, last weekend, we maybe three in a row. Maybe. On Sunday. It's awesome. Yeah. That's it. That's small my win. small win. Small win. It's <laughs> like so anticlimactic. Uh, my small win is I too had a nice weekend. Uh, I did some solo traveling to New Smyrna Beach to hang out for a sunset, which I do not, I did not know how high those tides went, and I brought a poo float to lay on, and... You almost mm, get swept off the sea? I did, <laughs> and it flung me backwards, and I had to put my foot in was the, the was, was the water cold? It was freezing, and I lost my entire container of chocolate-covered pretzels, but it was a nice <laughs> sunset. Like, the West Coast sunsets aren't as beautiful as... Yeah. Wait, the East Coast sunset aren't as beautiful as the West Coast, so it was nice. But then Sunday went to the Springs to kayak, so had a nice, relaxing, silent weekend. Very nice. That's fun. Sad. I don't. I don't really have a small win this week. I was thinking all my small wins. I'm not allowed to talk about yet. I know. <laughs> so it's like keep it down. We're trying to keep things on the on the down low, but um. So I don't really have a small win except to say that. We got the house super, super clean. <laughs> Our house is very clean. It's super, super clean, which <laughs> doesn't happen. To, it's always clean, but it's very clean right now. And so I guess we're just going to spend the next week trying to, next couple weeks trying to not dirty just it up. Just don't touch anything. Just sit in one spot. Yeah. <laughs> if you get to a really clean spot, though, and then you just every day take 15 minutes and put things back where they're supposed to go, it's all good. Oh, I'm going to play this back for you. <laughs> I did it last night. I know. You're also all <laughs> jacked up on coffee. At, she had a coffee at four o'clock and it was daylight savings time. I know. So I, she was like, I, 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 I did a bunch of cleaning. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. You can also send questions or stories to us at our website on seekingthebest.com. You can even leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. Leave us a voicemail, guys. Say hello to us. Send us a tweet at Seek the Best Pod. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening, and we will figure this all out next week. Adios. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production. <laughs>